Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> And welcome to the Steel Wars Live Call-In Show. It is very exciting to be back on our second episode, talking the week's Star Wars news with yourself. Uh, if you don't know, this is the, the sister, the twin sister, the secret twin sister podcast to the Steel Wars podcast, which is on the Steel Wars, the main feed on iTunes, and uh, there you can hear weekly interviews with Star Wars fans like Nathan Hamill, the son of Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, um, Julian Smirk, the associate editor of The Force Awakens, and also our co-host for today, uh, this morning or the evening or the afternoon, wherever you are around the world, welcome to the show from the Rebel Girl podcast on the Making Star Wars Network, Tracy Gardner. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm really well. Did you have much of a Star Wars week? I did. We got some good news. Empire Magazine stuff definitely made my week. Nice. I just plugged in my um, other screen. I, I was just having some issues as we were setting this up. I, I, I plugged in my monitor and the, and the noise from the podcast started coming through the monitor. It was crazy. So uh, there may <laughs> be another sweet episode of a couple of technical difficulties, but, uh, you know, it's only the second episode. Like the people that are listening to it now, they're like, I remember back when he was – you know, not competent at all. And now he's quasi competent. <laughs> I should say that we've got a chat room on a blog talk radio and uh, we've got a few people in there chatting as they listen, uh, a couple of questions already. And uh, if you can't call in, you can uh, write a question there and we will get to it uh, throughout the podcast or the, the live podcast blog, talk, radio, whatever we are doing. And uh, also I should point out that uh, we have a new feed for this show. It's on a totally different feed on iTunes. So if you've already subscribed to Steel Wars, just uh, have a search for the Steel Wars live call-in show. Now, uh, there's a few things. We'll get to the Empire thing. One thing I want to bring up first was uh, Donald Glover who is uh, heavily rumoured to be the, uh, the young Lando Carizian in the upcoming Han Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, do, you have any, uh, do you have any thoughts on Donald Glover, Trace? I have a lot of thoughts. He um, has, I don't know if you're familiar, but he has sort of like a hip-hop like alter ego, um, Childish Gambino. And hey, don't we all? I'll- don't we all, though? <laughs> His album is fantastic. It's one of my favorite albums in the last like couple of years. And I really liked him on Community. Um, I liked his little guest spot on Girls. I just think he's a funny, like, good actor, and I could see him being Lando. I yeah, I'm not that familiar with him. And I've got this... Uh, Jackie, my wife, just begrudges me for it. But once someone's rumored or cast in a Star Wars film... I then boycott all their films. So, 
when their film comes out, their Star Wars film comes out like like it's a new experience for me. Like attack the block, I I, I kept well clear. Oh, although um, Darren Lutchner uh, has reminded me that Glover, this is on the chat, was great in The Martian. So I have accidentally watched one uh, Donald Glover film. But I'm very I've wary got... of expensive apps. <laughs> You've got you what? Sorry. I'm very wary of expensive naps, and I just feel like that movie looks like a very expensive nap for me. An expensive nap. Yeah, because I'm going to pay all that money, and I'm going to go in and just fall asleep. Ah, you should buy one of those expensive Red Bulls before you go in. (laughs) This brings up a real bugbear of mine with this Donald Glover uh, rumors, and that's the clickbait websites, right? I saw this on Mm -hmm. a... A Star Wars page, and the, the the people behind the page, I very much respect, and um, I I have a, a great fondness for. But they posted, and I'm going to call them out, moviepilot.com, just a pile of trash on the internet, right? Their, their Facebook link was, like the sizzle on Facebook was, Star Wars Han Solo casts Donald Glover as young Han Solo. So he's cast. And then when you actually click on the story, it says Star Wars Han Solo may have just found its young Lando Carizian. Now, the thing that bugs me about this, one, that they're doing it. Like, that's annoying. But why do Star Wars fans share this crap? Like, yeah, we, they always do that. It's just like a frustrating cycle of nobody discerning clickbait ever like people just hit the share button without even reading yeah like it, I, I get annoyed when it's like like say it's like a making star wars article and then a big site covers it and then fans mm-hmm. share the big site covering it support the little guy that's doing all the hard work like support the fans that are actually doing the research but when it's just this like dribble like You're actually lying in your headline. I guess this is what I want to know. Why don't other Star Wars fans have the anger management problems that I do? (laughs) I mean, I read the clickbait and I get I get angry. I want revenge. I've had to learn to kind of like temper my reactions because I have gotten to it with people on Twitter because they'll. One of my favorites is putting a watermark on an image that you didn't release or. Um, a big show that I'm not going to name just to say, just to say, like, you know, I guess neutral, I'm not going to name the big site, but there was a, a fairly big site who took one of our stories and like erased a lot of the authenticity. Like they didn't, one, they kind of misquoted and then they took out, we, we put up some images that an artist had drawn for us and they omitted the artist's name. So it was just, it was poor journalism all around. And of course, more people shared their article because they're a bigger site. And I mean, it's just, it's just frustrating. Like, it's frustrating when no one else holds these sites to journalistic standards. It's just, I'm with you, Steele. I get, I get really mad. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, us two have, have got the anger management problems. I, I, I swear, I'm going <laughs> to, there's going to be like a nerd reboot of falling down and I will be playing the Michael Douglas role. <laughs> we will be taking uh, listener calls in a little bit. Um, I think I don't have to go through the number because 
If you're listening to this, you can already see the number. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. So it's to list the number. Do you think that's right, Trace? Uh, in my limited experience so far, I believe so. Because it showed, when I went in through the channel, it showed the number pretty prominently. Yeah, I think it does. So I'm, I'm just trying yeah. to get my handle on, on things that you have to do. But I should point out that if you are international, you can uh, use your Skype account to call in to the American number. You just got to put uh, plus one in front of it. Or if you are in the USA, you can just call in on your phone. You can actually call in and listen on your phone as well. Um, Darren in the chat room says number is at the top of the page. I'll just say it. I'll just say it once, you guys. It's 646-668-8360. And no one could have possibly written it down that fast. So, I don't know. I'm just making all the mistakes of broadcast radio here. But um, we have got uh, the Empire Magazine uh, has released its big Rogue One preview issue. Uh, I have very fond memories of uh, Empire Magazine, like, previews of Star Wars films. Um, way back from uh, The Phantom Menace, they have done uh, awesome coverage. Uh, are you an Empire Magazine fan? Can you actually get it that readily in America? You know, I was just trying to remember if I can because I've always gotten it online and I think you might be able to get it at specialty stands but not like just in our grocery stores because it's UK-based, am I correct? Yeah, it's UK-based but then uh, we've got a sweet uh, licensed version in Australia as well. Yeah, so I know like, that we can get well, it online and I've seen it in specialty stores. Okay, well, as um, each... each episode after um, we finish the live uh, portion, I record a bonus section for uh, the supporters that help keep the podcast going. And I, I did a good sizzle. I uh, told Dom last week from uh, the Star Wars Underworld about the time that Empire Magazine came and did a, uh, a photo shoot in my house as part of their Attack of the Clones uh, preview issue. So um, it was Ooh. an exciting time. My my room had many battle droids in it. I will tell you that much. Right. But um, I have you have you read through the Empire article? I have. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I like. I feel like for me, it's it's Empire magazine and it's Vanity Fair are the two that I read and I like. Although Vanity Fair is touch and go, I just over like maybe like Entertainment Weekly because you know how we have kind of like the three three or four big magazines that do the big spreads. Empire mm -hmm. always ends up being my favorite. Yeah, I like EW seems to be the um, you know the current you know chosen one of uh, all the magazines. But I don't know. I've got a, I've got a soft spot for Empire and also the Vanity Fair, like the um, the Annie Leberitz. Leberitz. Annie Leberitz. Yeah, Leberitz. Yeah. Like her um, awesome, like, photo spreads from, like, I remember, especially the Phantom Menace ones, to see those images mm -hmm. for the first time was just incredible. Um, I actually did a fun post about those. I love those. They're so great. The Phantom Menace in particular. 
Yeah, it's 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 um, it actually came up those Phantom Menace photos recently. Um, my friend Charlie Ashbury, who has appeared on the Celebration blog pods in London, he picked up a um, a little exchange between Ray Park and someone where you know there's a photo of Darth Maul fighting. Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine that was in the Vanity Fair. And yes, it never... Yes, yes. Yeah, and someone said, oh, was this from a deleted scene? Because it is quite a uh, a striking image. And she, he said that um, it is, but uh, who knows what might happen in the future. So much like every uh, Star Wars actor, he's he's doing his little pitch for for that little uh, spin-off film. Yeah. I, I don't know, they did something in the Force Awakens spread, too, where there was an image, um, Annie Leibovitz's photo, that people were speculating, um, gave some insight into the, a scene for the Force Awakens, and everyone who knows sort of, like, the history, we were like, no, it's just a photo. I'm trying to remember <laughs> what it was. Hey, how dare you say it's just a photo? Um <laughs> In the chat room, Emily in New York is uh, very excited about the Mendo cover, Ben Mendelsohn. I, 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 oh, yeah. I, I'm not someone that has much national pride. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not anti my country, but I'm also aware that its achievements and its beauty have very little to do with me. I just, um, and it might be a bit of a, a crass term, but I just won the vaginal lottery and happened to be born in a uh, an, an affluent, beautiful country. But, and I don't really get into like national, like the Olympics and all that sort of stuff. Like it doesn't really, like if our people that live on the same island as me swim faster than live on your country. It it doesn't really faze me. But Ben Mendelsohn, he injects me with so much Australian pride. He's just so cool. And the way he strutted out at Star Wars Celebration, that that was the most, that was the proudest I've ever been to be an Australian. I was I was thrilled. <laughs> really? That was the proudest you've ever been to be in Australia. And that's pretty exciting. That's a big <laughs> word. <laughs> and I've got... I've, where is it? I've actually got here on my desk, Tracy, I've got a handwritten note from Ben Mendelsohn um, wishing me well on uh, my wedding. That's that, incredible. Uh, I'm very jealous of, like, your... Australian camaraderie because I feel like everyone kind of like either knows each other or supports each other. We don't have that same sort of culture. I am trying to pretend I do know Ben Mendelsohn. So we've got, we've actually got quite, quite a few mutual friends. So um, hopefully by the end of the year, we will be best friends. But um, there was a few things in the empire article. I thought we could um, have a chat about, um, Now, one thing that sort of got my attention was Gareth Edwards not quite knowing or just being a bit coy about what the actual meaning of Rogue One is. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, 
like in the article, he says um, a few things. He says is um, it's not like there's it has it might it may have multiple meanings. Um, it is not part of the saga, therefore it is the rogue one. Um, it could be about Jin, who's the rogue one, which I that annoys me because that sounds like right. a, bit of a, a like a pat on the head. Oh, you're the rogue one. Go on, you little rebel. Like, oh, I, I like it. Are you like that? Yeah, when we first started covering Rogue One back like maybe a year and a half-ish ago, when we found out their lead was Felicity Jones and that it was a female character, I guess I just got so excited about the idea of Rogue One being like her call. Because I love the Rogue Squadron and I love like, you know, Red Leader and like all the little things with Rebel Alliance. So for me, like, it just made me so excited about her character and like the premise of the movie. Oh, I would like... If, like, her call sign is Rogue One or their team is called Rogue One. Yeah, I would like it to be the whole team. Yeah, like, that to me is cool. But if it's, like, a description of her, like, oh, she's the Rogue One, I'm like, oh, that to me sounds... I get what you're saying. It's just a bit, um, just a pat on the head and off you go-ish. But, um... Okay. Do you think, like, in... Do you think that will be their call sign? You know, I'm not sure. I don't know if they're going to be that latent. However, like some things. So I'm getting the impression that the movie was very esoteric and things were. Um, I don't want to explain like like that the atmosphere was going to be very subtle with Rogue One. And then I'm getting just this feeling that when they went back to do the reshoots, they put in a little bit more fan service because Disney execs wanted a certain feel. So now I think possibly, yes, we can expect Rogue One to be said somehow in the movie, whereas previously I don't really know that that was going to be the case. Hmm. So you think the original version, they didn't say it? I think it was going to be a little bit more subtle, yeah. And then now I'm thinking that we're going to get a point where someone cheesily is like Rogue One or... You know, whether it's, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so you think, you, you think that uh, Saul Guerrero, as she walks off, as Jin walks off, he'll shake his head and, and, and go, she's a rogue one. <laughs> Possibly. I don't necessarily. Wow. I just have a warning. I just have a warning to people coming to the premiere with me. Don't sit in front of me in case that scene happens because I might vomit on your neck. <laughs> but I mean, do you, trust, do you trust Disney execs with subtlety? I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if the Marvel movies have taught me anything, it's that they are going to bash you over the head with a concept. So I don't know. But I, I might be being a little bit too... Um, uh, too critical, I suppose. I don't know. Too cynical. Too cynical. I, I, cynical. I did. Um, yeah. I, I did uh, notice on your uh, on your Twitter for uh, Rebel Girl, you've changed your avatar, and it's it's very telling. It, it's it's you and Amanda Ward, your co-host, standing mm-hmm. there, and she's there, all nice and welcoming, and you're there like. I'm the I'm the cynical girl of Star Wars. Yeah, it's 
it's very um, yin and yang. Yeah, which is actually funny because in real life, I feel like I'm a little bit more precocious. And Amanda is definitely more the, like, sardonic. Um, Amanda, I would say, is the cynic between the two of us. I just have a mean bitch face. <laughs> Pardon my language. <laughs> Another interesting thing, um, which was also discussed at Celebration, um, Gareth Edwards says how he used to ride the uh, the Jubilee train line um, mm-hmm. to his first TV job back in 2003, and he was impressed by the station's futuristic architecture, and he thought to himself at the time, uh, if I ever did a sci-fi film, I'm going to film it here. And uh, he got to do that. Is, like you, you live down in Orange County. Is there anything where mm-hmm. you drive to work and you think this would make a great science fiction landscape? You know, funny enough, um, my university was in Planet of the Apes because it was, it has this very interesting. Um, it was built in the early 1960s, and it has this mm-hmm. sort of like. It has a sort of similar look to parts that you've seen, like LAX. Like, you know when you go to LAX and there's parts that look like, look like they're from the Jetsons, or if you go to Dodger Stadium, it was kind of built in that same era. So uh-huh. university has a, has a fun, like, sci-fi look to some of the buildings. It's very cool. And there have been times I've been walking through, like, a certain civilian and thought, hmm, like, I see why they did this, because I can imagine, like, a very eerie sci-fi film taking place here. Hmm. A, a lot of the um, the Empire magazine, it sort of focuses on, like, uh, it's fair enough, but it focuses on a trope in Star Wars promotion that I'm a bit over, and that's the, mm-hmm. we were just, we're such big fans. We loved it as a kid. Like, yeah. Which, which I know, like, especially with stuff like the video game, launches and stuff. I, I'm so over seeing interviews with people like tell me how much Star Wars means to them. It's just like Yeah, we all like Star Wars. Make a real good game. Like yeah. I don't care if you photoshopped a Star Destroyer out the front of the building. That has got nothing to do with the game. You're wasting time. Mm-hmm. Make a good game. I agree. I, I think that um, one of the things that stands out to me, though, and I don't know, you may disagree with me, but I feel like Gareth Edwards has a little bit more of an approachable tone and a little bit more, like, I, I have a little bit more respect for how he kind of represents himself and his relationship to these films in contrast to the way J.J. Abrams came at it. J.J. Abrams came at it, to me, almost with, like, a... And I, I've been a big Star Wars fan my whole life, so I have a right to make this movie. And, like, you know, I'm going to... He kind of reminded me of a very certain type of fan who feels like they have a right to Star Wars. And, like, it's um, it's sort of like I've liked it my whole life, so I have a sort of um, a privilege. Where Gareth Edwards seems a little bit more in awe of it and a little bit more careful. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I think also maybe JJ, he had the to coin a uh, George Costanza term. He had the hand because he'd already knocked back the Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, you know, they begged him to do it. Like, you know, he was the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, help me, you're only 
you're our only hope of Star Wars Episode mm-hmm. Seven, and yeah, he definitely had that um, confidence, like. Like, even when he was interviewing about how big a thing it was, he still was just like, yep, and I'm going to kick it in the dick. I'm going to nail this. Yeah. And then there's the parts that just rub me the wrong way. For instance, I mean, I can't talk. I've talked ad nauseum about how much his kind of jamming practical effects on Arthos was really off-putting. But also, I know it's so small, but for me, it was a huge kind of character move. The, the Jar Jar joke about Jar Jar's bones being an Easter egg. I like I don't know why that just really really bothered me because it's just we get it people don't you know there's a vocal minority who hate the prequels and they hate Jar Jar but I was a kid when I watched the Phantom Menace so for me it's kind of like wait why do I have to hate this thing yeah but I don't know Star Wars fandom has a long history of just repeating the same joke yes like like the um the ironic love of Kitster, um, you know, Jar Jar yeah. Binks bashing and stuff like that. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's done. Let's, mm-hmm. let's joke about new things. There's a whole new film to, uh, mm-hmm. to make jokes about. But yeah, I, I, that was a weird, um, a weird comment, the Jar Jar thing. And even, and then bring it back to my, like, loathing of clickbait then people took that literally and wrote stories about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like oh insert the JPEG of Jean Luke Picard with his hand in his head to this uh-huh. conversation <laughs> oh yeah I cannot use that meme enough <clears throat> that's why your Snoke sn- sticker is just my favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> I actually gave um, Gareth Edwards in person a, um, a your Snoke Theory st- sucks sticker, and yeah. he looked at me very confused. I'm not sure if he was sort of because he was sort of getting bustled through the um, convention or what, but he gave me a very befuddled look. He, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? I don't understand. Um, one thing I did love in the Empire article was that the three posters that Gareth Edwards had up in his office, um, one was for the original Star Wars, because it's a Star Wars film. Um, another was Apocalypse Now, because it's a war mm-hmm. film. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure how often these two posters have been in the same room before, but Apocalypse Now, and then he had a Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure, as an ode to being uh, the very first Star Wars standalone film. Now, mm-hmm. I, uh, and he also uh, told a story about when George Lucas was on set, he sort of, like, tried to, like, stand in front, like, hoped that George Lucas wouldn't see the Caravan of Courage poster as uh, he thought he might be, uh, like, taking the piss of the film, but right. it was actually a deep respect. Are you a Caravan of Courage girl, Tracy Gardner? You know, I have a very public hate for Ewoks, but I did oh, like Ewok Adventure movies. Right, I've just got to cut your line. I've just got to cut your line right now. Because <laughs> I was born in that, like, little... you know, the grass from How I Met Your Mother. I was born in the weird era where, like, they weren't, I don't know, they just weren't cute to me. And, like, Amanda and I just talked about this on our show. Like, it didn't make sense to me. Like, on Hoth, 
you have AT, you know, um, I call them ADATs, whatever. You have all these, you have ADATs and you have the empire being such a formidable force and like their army is just being something to reckon with. And then you get to, um, the Ewok sequences and you have them doing cheesy little things like destroying and, um, like, oh my God, why did I just blank? An ADAT? No, not an ADAT. ATSD. You have them just mm-hmm. like destroying an ADSD with two logs. Like, it was just like the dumbest. I, even as a kid, I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, the chat room has fired up over your. <laughs> <laughs> Emily is stated genuinely hurt by the lack of Ewok respect. I'm, I agree. <laughs> well, the Ewoks were based uh, on um, the the Viet Cong, the uh, in uh-huh. the Vietnamese War, and it was because they knew the land so well. It was their country in in, in this sort of uh-huh. rugged terrain that they they could set these traps. And and I guess to keep the uh, rating that Return of the Jedi had to have, that they couldn't use the actual Viet Cong methods of, you know, impaling people on nails and that sort of stuff. So Yeah, I um, imagine that would not have gone over well. No. Um, Particularly in the early 80s. <laughs> but it's so funny that you diss the logs. Like, I remember, I actually vividly remember watching Return of the Jedi in the cinema and seeing their log setups and going, genius. Great work, Ewoks. <laughs> they did not yeah, see that coming. Yeah, <sighs> I don't know. This has really derailed the whole podcast, Tracy. I'm, I'm really I'm I, I, I apologize. Um, another thing in the Empire article that I uh, found interesting was the the Death Troopers, which uh, Gareth Edwards went into the uh, Lucasfilm archives and sort of went through all the old Macquarie pictures, and he, he uh-huh. noted how the original Stormtroopers were quite leaner, like a, a taller, leaner design. So they they got um, they redesigned the Stormtrooper suit to fit a seven-foot person to make it a, a much more of a striking, sleek version of the Stormtrooper who could probably also destroy you in a game of basketball. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I love the photo of... And it's such a Empire Strikes Back picture of, of Mendo uh, walking in some sort of imperial establishment with the Death Troopers following him. Or, or, or sort of um, parading around him. It's just, it's so, like, it just looks like a deleted scene out of Empire. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I'm so, and I guess I have such an emphatic appreciation for anything based off of McQuarrie's designs. Because everything just looks so new, but, like, old at the same time. And it's just, ah, I love it. I don't know. I, I'm already obsessed with the Death Troopers. It's, it's interesting. We haven't really seen much, like, and, and it might be in the in the final trailer of like the green, like, like lights on the Death Troopers, mm-hmm. like the the targeting. Yeah. Like, do you think that will be something that is kind of? I, I sort of got the feeling in in this new trailer that the next trailer might expose 
like a lot more imperial stuff because it seemed that, that that the latest trailer is very rebel centric. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, more Darth Vader and uh, a bit of Death Trooper green light action could spark some interest. See, Jason and I were speculating on how much we're actually going to see the Death Trooper in the movie. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't have a firm theory on that yet. I'm wondering if they are going to be something that's heavily used in the marketing and maybe the toy marketing as we've already seen. But I'm curious as to how much we're actually going to see them in the film. Um, I'm wondering if like K2SO and, you know, the shore troopers are actually going to be more prominent and a little bit more because mm. of how much footage we've already seen from Jetta and from the shore. So I don't know, but I do want to know what that green light does. That's, I mean, we've been mulling over photos that we've had, you know, before the official sort of release of the dust troopers. And I just, I'm really curious as to what that light does. If it's like some sort of weapon, if it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I sort of, I don't know, I, I, I figure it's a targeting, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Terminator sort of targeting mm-hmm. light, but 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 who knows? Um, I, I can't wait for the scene where the, the Death Troopers wash Mendo's cape after he uh, goes for his walk. That'll be exciting. Maybe the, <laughs> the green thing is to pick up um, unsightly stains. <laughs> after he walks through the dead people on the beach. <laughs> Just a heads up that our now world famous asterisk your Snoke theory sucks and the have you seen him stickers and t-shirts are now available from the Steel Wars merch store you can get a 10 pack of stickers for just $5 Australian which is under $4 American it helps support the podcast and you also get instantly 10 bonus supporter exclusive episodes handpicked by little old me Check it out at steelwars.com. The other thing of interest was the little spotlight on Bistan, who is better known as the Space Monkey, which I like. I like that we're getting back mm-hmm. to some, you know, just some good, bigoted, you know, racial space stereotypes. You know, like, you know, right. your Hammerhead, your Greedo, um, your Prune Face, and Space Monkey. Do you know what I mean? None of this, none of this knowing the actual species business. Let's just, you know, degrade them with, uh, with cruel nicknames. That's, that's what Star Wars should be. Or just make their actual name be downright offensive, like Mon Calamari. <laughs> yeah, that... Um, just don't even, just, just make it official. <laughs> I, I, I want the documentary where they brainstormed that one. Like, I just love that when people ask me who aren't as big as Star Wars fans, I've had people ask me, what is Admiral Akbar? And I've told people like coworkers and such, oh, well, he's Mon Calamari. And then people, they think I'm joking. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's the actual name of the species and also his planet. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Mon Octo. Um, well, the... Um, Biston species, as revealed in Empire, is a Lakaru. L a k a r u. But I, I love this guy. I love him. Look at him in his little suit. He was probably my helmet. favorite. He, he was my favorite part of the sizzle reel. I think it's it's a great trope in science fiction and fantasy films 
It's the cute alien that loves to shoot stuff. <laughs> Rocket raccoon. Yes, exactly. It is, uh, it is so cool. It is so cool. So, yeah, that's the Empire magazine. What else have we got? Dave Filoni, I got this off uh, the StarWarsUnderworld.com. They released a, uh, a little Rebels Season 2 Blu-ray uh, little sizzle thing about um, talking about the Ahsoka Vader uh, battle. Did you, have, you, have you caught that? I haven't caught the article. I caught the... Are we referring to the battle in the finale? Oh, no, just a little video where he's talking about it. And, um, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, the interesting point he brought up was that Anakin taught Ahsoka how to fight bigger adversaries. So... Because mm-hmm. you, you, you would think that Darth Vader would just clean up Ahsoka, but it's that thing of, like... He taught her all the tricks, like all his tricks, mm-hmm. which which sort of balances it out. What did you think about the um, the finale of season two? You know, I'm very torn on Rebels. There are aspects that I love and aspects that fall flat for me. Um, you know, I liked Ahsoka. I liked their final battle. I honestly, my favorite part of the finale though was definitely Darth Maul's character and having him back. Um, I don't know. There's just something that I didn't really like the way they left it. I, I get why they left it that way because you can't downright kill Ahsoka and you have to leave some gray area there for more storytelling. But I don't know. What did you think? I, I've, I don't feel like we've ever actually talked about Rebels in all of our time hanging out. The, I like the finale. Like, I, I like Darth Maul in the cartoon, but I wish it wasn't Darth Maul. Like, mm-hmm. I just wish it was his brother or something. Like, like, yeah, like, like it, it's one of the Phantom Menace is one of the, the, the highest grossing films of all time. And he dies in it. He gets cut in half. Like, right. I just, it is just, it's a boggling George Lucas decision to like, like you killed him, George Lucas. Live with it. Right. And then how do you, you feel know, about Boba Fett? In what way? And then making it canon that he survives the Sarlacc pit. I don't know. Is that, I don't think that's canon. It's more, he just said, like, but I'm fine with that because I, I, my preference is he's dead. Um, right. Partly because people that want Boba Fett to be alive are so annoying. Um, <laughs> like, I remember when that, that Battlefront preview clip came out and, you know, Boba Fett's, like, jetpacking and you can see you can see a sand crawler and stuff. And that was back when they were saying mm-hmm. that the video games are canon. And, right. And, it, and people were like, oh, that's it. It's canon. He's there. And I'm like, so where is this canon battle that's got a Jawa sand crawler going through it? Like, what is that scene? But I, 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 I don't mind, like, because, like, I read, you know, that the Boba Fett, whatever that, was it the Bounty Hunter trilogy or something? It was like an EU novel mm-hmm. and he like crawled out and, and Dengar nursed him back to health. And I, I, I thought that story was um, <laughs> as ridiculous as saying that line is. Well, to Dengar's credit, 
he does know a lot about how to apply a bandage. So he's probably one of the best people in the Star Wars universe to look after you after a um, a lot of acid burns. But I, I don't mind that. Um, I, I just he just he got cut in half. I just find it ridiculous. And right. I, and I, I think when people say, oh, let's, you know, do a Darth Maul film or, you know, like a film where Darth Maul confronts Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine during the um, dark times. I just don't think, like, as a film, I just don't think, I think the mainstream movie audience would mock that, that Mm -hmm. it's like he's dead. I I just don't think it would get that. I don't know. I just think it would be... It'd be a very ridiculed move to bring out a film like that. But I just wish it was his brother. Just Savage, like, yeah. Savage is yeah. I love him. The Jedi Temple Archives.com has got even more leaks of uh, Rogue One Hasbro products. There is um, the, the TIE Striker, the U-Wing, and a, and a bunch of um, multi-packed figures. I think it's time, Tracy, for whoever this is that's keeping the secrecy around the products, whether it's Hasbro or Lucasfilm, just cut your losses. Announce stuff (laughs) as soon as you can because it is proven you're never going to keep this secret. Like, Like, there's Rogue One toys out in Asia now. Yeah. Like you just ha- you just had two major conventions to announce stuff. If if there's product in stores now, that means you had samples to show. You had photos to show. And I I just I I can't work out what the strategy would be to keep this secret. And also the the logic, like the sort of Oh, uh, like they won't leak this time. They will. We the, the the desire for information is far too great. I, I and I just think they're wasting opportunities to excite fans. I agree, and I don't really. And you know, we're obviously working for you know making Star Wars throughout the years. I've encountered sort of the way fans get treated for wanting to know this information and for leaking this information or seeking it out. And my big thing is, like, do not vilify the fan base that makes your money. Like, I mean, I know people that I'm for, I mean, I know personally, I'm not even a collector. And on Force Friday, I spent easily $400 in one shot. So imagine what collectors are spending when they release these toys and, you know, all the money that they're putting in their pockets. It's like, treat the fan base a little better. And, and I feel like that's a, a common sentiment among people about Hasbro in particular, like, why, why the secrecy, you know, I understand that sometimes they are working out glitches and they don't want the wrong version of the toy to be released. I get it, but to just hide everything from everyone and be so crazy about it and then have these big Force Friday reveals. And I'm not even a big fan of that whole setup with having everything come out on Force Friday. I just think it's dumb. Oh, really? I love that. I, I just wish really? that everything would come out on Force Friday. <laughs> See, that's what I, I feel like. I went to one of the bigger targets in Orange County and did the whole thing where, you know, you line up and 
having everything be so limited and seeing how disappointed some people were that they didn't get what they came there for. And I don't know. I'm, I just think you should treat the people who are, you know, spending the money on these things and have this like huge passion for collecting. I think that they should appreciate that a little more. I don't know. And, 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 and how do you mean, like, how do you think they're not being shown respect? Um, I think a lot of times with like the reveals, like, um, like you said, just acting like, you know, these leaks are such a big deal or hiding a toy. Like you said, if, if they have an opportunity to show us what we can look forward to and like what we're going to spend our money on, like, just show us, just, you know, don't make it so cryptic. Yeah. It's just, well, it's just like, you're not like, I like this. I love star Wars events. And, mm-hmm. and and Star Wars excitement. So that's why I, I like the Force Friday because, you know, it's a chance to for a bunch of lunatics to go to a mall at midnight <laughs> yeah. and, and, and hang and hang out. And it's 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 dumb. It's just dumb excitement. And I just think when they waste like like every like every bit of information that's released is like you're spending excitement. Like the, mm-hmm. the currency of excitement, and says like it's so fun at Comic Con. Me and Jackie just laugh so much. Is when they release they they show a photo of a new toy that's coming out, the oohs and ahs around the room. Like it's just mm-hmm. like bless everyone. I I just cherish the noise <laughs> of like oh like um <laughs> you know it's fully like um <laughs> um he's got a new hat. Yeah. And, and, and when they don't take that opportunity to do that at these big events and then they have to like release stuff like, like through this, you know, stuff is leaked. It's just like, ah, you wasted that opportunity. Now you don't have this, you don't have this excitement to spend anymore. You lost it. Like it it fell out your back pocket when you're on the train, essentially this metaphor is going too far. (laughs) And then when they have the thing of like, which occurred when The Force Awakens came out and there was that, the, um, the Ray figure that got released early and it was in Walmart and then people bought it and put photos of it, of it on the internet. Now, oh, this, annoyed me for, this annoyed me for two reasons. One, the, you, like your distribution sold it to this person. They own it now. Like mm-hmm. you, you can take photos of your property and post it on the internet, you know. And um, the other thing is like trying to, and then just like trying to like like threaten them with legal things about posting something that's in your house. It's it, it's insane. The other thing was the only reason I knew that figure was out was because Hasbro or whoever, the lawyers, like, threaten this website to take them down. And that's the only reason I caught wind of this news. So then I had to see a photo of Ray, the figure, holding a lightsaber. And I'm just like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Hasbro. It, <laughs> oh, this is right, your you're fault. You're spoiler-free. I, yeah, I, I definitely was, like, for that. Um, you know, and, and I definitely subscribed to Jason's... Um, you know, the target spoiler thing, but this thing wasn't meant to be in target yet. 
It was meant to come out later. Right. Right. Um, let's uh, see if anyone wants to call in with a uh, a question or a uh, a comment. So if you want to uh, chime in on that number that we were saying, 646-668-8360. I think there's a couple of questions in the chat room that we can tackle in the meantime. Oh, we've actually got a call, so let's go to that. G'day, Steele. It's Josh Chapman speaking. Hey, Josh. What's going on, buddy? Oh, I'm just hanging down the beach at the moment with the family, having a bit of a relaxo, listening to the show. It's all going very swimmingly. Nice. Josh, for everyone listening, uh, edits together the YouTube clips that we're, we're pumping out. Um, we're not pumping them out. They're actually, they're, they're, drip, they're dripping out, slowly dripping they're out. But, slowly um, dripping. We've got, we've got another big, big one going to drop. Is that what they say? It's going to drop probably next week, as they I say in the talking. Beers. You're talking the lingo, Josh. You are oh, yeah. um, you are all over this uh, this new media. But yeah, we've got a, a really. Uh, I'm very excited about our our next clip. Um, yeah, what, what's on your cracker. mind, Josh? I uh, know all the red Rogue One talk, Rogue One talk. I'm going to jump a little forward. Episode eight question. Um, mm-hmm. Now you know they've said that basically episode eight is going to pick up where episode seven left off like the next minute or the next day or whatever it is. How does that affect the crawl? Because the crawl is always filling in the gaps of what's happened between the movies. Is the crawl just going to be saying what happened in Force Awakens? I have no idea about that. I've, I've thought about it. I, I, I guess it could sort of cheat time a little bit and and talk about that Kylo Ren's, you know, I, I guess sort of, yeah, I guess sort of recap what what happened that yeah, that unless they there's all the bits, bits in, yeah, yeah, unless they're kind of going all the bits we don't know about. Yeah, what do you think, Trace? Um, I have actually discuss this with a, quite a few people. I honestly don't... I think that they were being cryptic when they were saying that it's going to leave off exactly where it ended. I genuinely do not think that the film is going to open with that helicopter shot of Ray and Luke. I think we're going to open with what's going on with Leia, possibly, and I think the crawl is going to address Finn waking up, and I think it's going to address the remnants of the First Order, and sort of maybe do a site because you know how the crawl has to kind of address where Luke is at. Um, maybe just address Luke and Ray meeting, but I, I don't know. I don't know that I don't. I don't know that I want the film to start right off then, and I don't know if it's going to. I think that that would kind of be a tricky choice. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but <laughs> we'll see. It's just such a, usually it's at least a year or two or a couple of months and yeah, right. and it sort of fills in the gap of what happened or sets up the, sets up the, the goings on. But uh, considering, you know, if it is that shot of Luke and Ray, then maybe if not other things and they come back to them further into the film. Yeah, it's it, like, I guess if that's the story, John, I mean, if, if that's the story that Ryan Johnson saw or wanted to tell after, you know, reading the um, Ep7 script and, and seeing the film, then, 
you know, that's what he should tell. If, if that's where the most interesting things happen is directly afterwards. Like, here's the thing. If, just say they, they started F8 in six months' time after The Force Awakens, like, everyone will be pining, like, oh, I hope they write a book about what happened directly, you know, when Ray arrived at Uktu. Like, everyone would yeah. want that story. And, I guess and maybe, the other films really... Oh, sorry, Steve. Oh, yeah, I get, the yeah. other films don't really end on that. Have never ended on a point with a with a hanging thread like that. If you know what I mean, as much. I mean, maybe Empire a little bit, but not so much in the middle of a a, a conversation about to start rather than. Yeah, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very lost ending. You know, almost yeah. the, the the end of Lost season one or something like that. But I don't oh, know, God. like. For all, um, you know, J.J. Abrams' brilliance, I, I, I think he's great at setting things up and without any thought about how to finish things. <laughs> I agree. The whole mystery box thing, I mean, his whole trope is he creates, what, what does he call it, his mystery box? But if you don't put any thought into what's in the box, then all these things surrounding it, it they just feel empty. And, and, and I'm yeah. also, you know, I, I'm with you, Josh. Like, I've, back in my day, we had a Star Wars every three years and they skipped two years of Star Wars time and we loved it. And yeah. It is, it, it is hard to get, you know, like, I... I, like, when that, that clip was shown of them filming back on um, Skellic Michael, I was like, oh, that's going to be a flashback. Like, like, I was in denial that it was going to start directly after because that's not my Star Wars. Like, I'm, I like I my two-year breaks. I think it lends itself to probably bigger picture, as in, you know, you've got seven, eight, nine, but we kind of assume that eight, nine, ten, you know, that eight, nine, ten, sorry, ten, eleven, twelve will probably have similar characters anyway. There won't be the jumps. So you can tell a more condensed story in a, in a trilogy because we know there are going to be more films. We know there's going to be more story. You don't actually have to spread yourself over a long, as long a period of time because it's not like the story's going to wind up at the end of episode nine, really. Yeah, I always think about episode nine. Like, and, and of course, there'll be an episode 10. But I, again, it's the traditionalist in me. It's just like, I hope that really wraps up like a big like chapter but could, in Star Wars history. It, it, could, it, could, it could be the end, and if you wanted to go off, you could, but it has to be a completely satisfying ending. Yeah, and then, you know, it re, you know like Return of the Jedi, you were just like, woo, yeah, sweet yeah. party, we're done. <laughs> and, and I also hope that they give us a break as well. Like, you know, they can go yeah, do I'm a, big, you I, know, a standalone film and stuff like that. But it would be nice to, um, to have a bit of a break. The thing is about them starting directly afterwards is when they open back up to that scene of them handing the lightsaber over, I wonder if, like, my concern is, should I finish the end of the swear word I was saying when I realized that was the end of the film? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I heard that. I was in that screening with you, Steele, and I was up up the front row. I think we the front left row, and I think I still heard you. You know, over all the cheering and everything. <laughs> I I remember I had to run to go set up the um the the podcast or or you know you know get everything going for it, and I was just getting up and just like going, I can't, like I didn't even have time to like think about the cruel prank that had just been played on me. Like, I was sort of... I was impressed, but I was like... You know, it's like business. someone... Yeah, someone gets you with a really good prank and you're annoyed, but you're like, ha oh, well done. Sweet. <laughs> I I still know absolutely nothing. Congratulations. See, um, you're making me sad and happy that I work for a spoiler site because part of me wishes <laughs> I could have had that reaction. Uh. But then part of me is like, oh, I guess I was spared that like reaction because I knew the ending for so long that for me I forget that that was a surprise for people so I'm like am I jealous did I want like the massive like stream of cursing in the theater or like, I remember I just know. really being glad to have to go to the bathroom because I remember we were at the pub before the screening and I had a few too many beers because of the nerves and then about 10 minutes into the film, I had to go to the toilet and I'm just like, I'm going to ignore it and, and take in the film. But as soon as the, the, the credits come up, I'm like, oh, I've got to get to the bathroom quick, quick. And didn't even have time to, to, to suck it in, to really take it in until we had the live show after. So, All right, Josh. Well, and episode do all, eight. Do it all again. Episode eight's all about nappies, mate. Get them on. Yeah. Get them on. Oh, look, I've got a one-year-old. I've got, a, I've got boxes of the stuff. So that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. I'll, let you, I'll speak to you next week. And we'll get we'll we'll um, we'll uh, preview some more stuff on the YouTube. Hey, we'll hey, what we're going to do is drop some hot content. Oh, we're going to drop some hot people. We're going to melt some faces with some hot gear. <laughs> All right, Josh. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. See you, dude. See ya. Hey, you guys, if you want to support the podcast with a few bucks each month, get full access to the full-length interviews of our entire back catalogue, along with bonus Q&A apps and bi-weekly episodes of Gonk Droid's Trash Compactor. And best of all, never get your podcast interrupted with this sort of promo ever again. Join the Steel Wars supporter page. For just $3 Australian, which is about $2.20 American, you can help the podcast keep being produced each and every week for you. You will get access to a supporter-exclusive RSS feed that will bring you ad-free podcasts as well as all the bonus content directly onto your podcatcher of choice and listen with the warm glow that you're chipping in a few bucks to keep us going. All the details are on steelwars.com. So, Tracy, I'm interested. When did you find out? How far before the um, the film released did you know about the ending of uh, The Force Awakens? We had a general rough idea that The Force Awakens was going to end with Luke Skywalker being found and that that was going to be his only appearance in the film. Oh, man. I want to say it was, it was quite a while. I want to say within the scope of like a year before the film came out because it was very controversial when Jason released that and we got ripped a new one on Reddit because people were just like that's ludicrous how would you even release that that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard and then it started to come in through other channels and then I would say about six months before 
it started to look like that is exactly what was going to be the case. And then that image got revealed. I don't remember if you saw, but did you, do you remember when the image of Luke Skywalker was revealed? I remember the one haggard. where he's like, where he's getting scanned. Kind of. Yeah. And so that matched up with kind of Jason's general description of what Luke was going to look like, even though a lot of people didn't believe it. And then, yeah, I think within, you know, six months before the film, we were pretty certain in our camp that that was going to be the end of The Force Awakens. Um, we knew that it's in some way we've, we've seen, some, Jason had seen something that alluded to her handing him back the lightsaber. And we knew that that was mm-hmm. a big plot device. So, yeah, it was months before and, you know, it just started to, it started to kind of materialize throughout from very various sources and just a lot of different avenues, so. Do you think he even wants that lightsaber, though? Like, think about it. If you lose <laughs> an iPod or an iPhone, and then four years later, or, or it, it's even, you know, it's 30 years later, someone gives you it back, it's like, well, this is useless now. I've got this new one. It's got, it's got ways on it. Does See, he, he just looks so tormented by so many things that I don't know. He doesn't look like he can emotionally handle the same vision that that saber gave Ray. So I don't know. <laughs> All right, we've got another call. Uh, caller 314. Let's see if you are there. Steel, how's it going, man? This is Eric Strathers. Hey, hey, Eric, where are you calling from? St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, very, very nice. No racism here. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, what's on your mind, Eric? <laughs> well, I was just thinking, if let's say you were independently wealthy. The best scam to pull on people would be to hire the actors, take the end of episode seven, refilm it, make a huge deal about this advanced screening of episode eight and have it just be Mark Hamill staring at Daisy Ridley awkwardly for like 25 minutes. Boom, credits roll, that's it. Done. That would be the best thing ever. You would be the second dumbest millionaire in America. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say who the dumbest is, over the top. but he's getting lots of press right now. Um, yeah, I, I can guess. <laughs> Why Why would you be such a horrible person to do this prank? <laughs> uh, there's only a couple people I could do it to, so I, I, I wouldn't really do it. What a, what I, a waste I of... Did, I did. What a waste of um, having Daisy Risley is to just get her to do that. Well, yeah, or Mark Hamill. I mean, hanging out with him would... So, well, I actually have a legitimate question here to back up a little bit to, to Rogue One. In my head, I'm thinking this movie is going to be fantastic. And, um, you know, I had said to somebody before that this is probably, this has the opportunity to be everybody's actual favorite Star Wars movie, even though they'll still say it's Empire Strikes Back. Secretly, they'll be like, yeah, but Rogue One was so great. But what if it sucks? What if it's the worst thing ever? What does that do to the franchise as a whole? Um, I mean, don't you feel I, like a lot of people felt that way about The Force Awakens? I feel like a lot of people hated it. And my just in encounters with casual Star Wars fans who don't devour things the way we do, I feel like there was a general consensus that it sucked. 
I I only had I'd, I'd say probably like three or four people that I allowed to live after they told me they thought it sucked. No, I I, I didn't get it that bad. You know, I had a handful of haters, but for the most part, I, I felt like it was well received. Yeah, I just I, I heard so much negativity. Oh yeah, I I heard definitely more like far more positivity about it. Um, it it was weird. I I know like a few comedians that aren't Star Wars fans at all. Like you know, they're just Star. They're just like it's on at the movies. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. it sort of thing. And they were just what they couldn't get over that it was just. You know, to them, it was just a remake of Star Wars, which I I think is a, like, people get very defensive about that. But from standing afar and watching it, it, you know, it's not that different. Like, I know there's a lot of differences, but I mean, in, in broad scopes. It is, it is very similar. And I, I think, and I've said this many times, that I think the first half of the film is, is maybe the best half of a Star Wars film ever. I, I just think it's... The, the first it, half? It's, yeah. And then once they get to Maz's castle, things begin to get confusing and... Um, like, you know, the R2-D2 thing, I just... It, it, it will never not trouble me. I I I, I desperately want an an explanation that is is decent. Um, and but I, I I think to answer your question is that if it does suck, then I I don't think it will do as much damage as a suck because you've got you've got saga next year. You you put it back so. I think it will definitely put them in panic mode over the, like the, the stories, the spin-offs, whatever you want to call them. Um, but I, th- I still think you can announce back with episode eight. Um, you know, that said, I, I, I do think it's going to be um, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm inclined. But to um, what, what I want to know, Eric, is um, have you been in contact with Jones to set up your um or uh, screening of uh, Rogue One? Well, <laughs> where she just where she just stares at Mon Mothma for twenty minutes. You know, I, I think that would I would pay. I'd go see that fifteen times. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, that is a, a very expensive uh, joke there. Um, and uh, I've now heard you at Steve Montgomery Burns all times. <laughs> I would hate myself, honestly, for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, nothing uh, worse than love the Colin show, love the format. Keep it up. You guys are awesome. Cheers, man. Thanks so much. And I think we have lost Eric. So just when you trace, ah, you're still there. (laughs) He's still there. (laughs) This guy, this guy and his pranks. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I. I was giving (laughs) you the opportunity to move forward. (laughs) Oh my god! Now my show's got a producer. That's fantastic. Um, (laughs) 
Thanks so much, Eric. Uh, thanks for calling in. And uh, I call in weekly with a, a new, very expensive, um, overproduced Star Wars prank. That would be great. I will. I'll, I'll start making a list right now. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I'll, I'll talk to you, you soon. Good one. All right, Check out. All right, so the lines are open if you uh, want to call in. So I, going back to um, your discovery of Luke Skywalker just appearing at the end, like you, you just get told that on paper. How do you deal with it? Like I imagine if I was told that six months before the film came out, it wouldn't sit very well with me. Um, You know what? I'm so open to, I, I, I'm very trusting of decisions because um, I took a screenplay writing class for my master's and I realized that people who do this know a lot more than I do. So I got to see people who were just at the top of their craft, like synthesizing story. And it gave me a very healthy respect for writers and what they do and just humbled me and made me realize, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So some of the things I had an adverse reaction to seeing on paper, I loved in the film. I, I can say the only thing that I've been disappointed by is I'm going to be very, very, very disappointed <laughs> with everyone involved if Ray doesn't have an actual lineage. If Ray is no one, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, so not only finding out who the parents are, but they have to be important. Yeah, because I feel like we have so many visual cues. We have so many... We have so many things in these movie in this movie to make us think that Ray is someone. And if they just decide to like flip it on us and say that she's not, it'll almost feel like it'll almost feel like they lied to the audience, which isn't a fun I, I, it's not a fun storytelling device for me. I, I really don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy it in literature and I don't enjoy it in film. Because to me, it almost seems like a cop-out. You know how you feel with, like, being told that Darth Maul is dead and then having him not be dead? You kind of feel like, well, that was cheap. It sounds like one of Eric's classic pranks. <laughs> are, they, are they classic now? <laughs> <laughs> Two episodes in there, classic. All right, we have got a <laughs> Skype caller calling in. Let's see if we can patch through. Uh, who are we talking to and where are you calling from? Hi, it's Darren Lutchner here. Hey, Darren. Uh, calling How from are you, Melbourne. What's Great going thing. on, mate? What's on your mind? Oh, everything. everything's good here. Everything's good. It's a great show. Uh, great uh, idea. How's life in the chat call. room? <laughs> it's, it's good. It's another, another way to, to, to get out my questions and uh, uh, ideas, which is great. Fantastic. Nice. I will. Um, once, once we're in the bonus section, uh, I will go through and uh, we will review the chat room questions. So um, uh, while the live callers are coming in, we'll uh, we'll stick with those. But what, what what have you got for us, mate? So I was just thinking, uh, talking Rogue One. Um, so what? Obviously, one of the big characters in this movie is going to be, I think, is going to be the Death Star. Um, are we going to, do you think, or would you like to see things like the tractor beam and, and see more of the insides of the Death Star and um, views in there? What, what, what sort of thoughts have you guys got around, around how do you think that will be? What, do you, what would you like to see in that area? Who wouldn't want to see more rooms in the Death Star? I want to see that Death Star canteen 
that uh, everyone's going on about. I, I also, Tracy, do you think that scene where they're running um, and it's that they filmed at the train station in London, do you think that's on the Death Star? No, I think that's on one of the ground planets. I think it's on Jetta where they're acquiring the plans. Or not yeah. plans. I think it's on Jetta when they're trying to... I, I think that they're trying to sort of um, spoil a plan to get the crystals on Jetta. Because you know how they're getting the crystals mm-hmm. for the Death Star? I think mm-hmm. that so they're no trying to like, the spoil Star? that. There'd be no trains in the Death Star? <laughs> I don't think. Are there trains on the Death Star? Well, it's quite big. How are they going to get? How would people get around? I would have thought public transport would be the best idea. Well, if Robot Chicken is any guide, it's not. Um, there's lots of escalators. <laughs> Where's Gareth Edwards from? Because that will probably make a decision about how people get around in the Death Star. Is it going to be Ubers or is it going to be trains or buses? Well, he's, be he's, so he'll have underground tubes. So there'll be tu- the tube will be yeah. in there. Yeah, yes. I, I, just to follow up on, on Tracy's comment, as, as Lyft, which is in America the alternate Uber, I, I, I don't want to see any TIE fighters with pink moustaches at the front. <laughs> I hope you understand that that's horrible. my next drawing. <laughs> I'd like to see more Death Star. Like, I, I tell you what I loved in The Force Awakens was the seeing the way the TIE fighters like racked up before they took off. I, I love seeing stuff like that. I'd love to see um, like inside a Star Destroyer, like all the ADATs like ready to go. You sort of yeah. like um, uh, that Destroyer was on two, you know, like constructs of all the ADATs fallen over and stuff. But I'd love to see, you know, kind of like what they had in those incredible cross-section books, like, you know, just seeing all the, the parked ADATs. Yeah, Tracy, definitely. We'll, see, fun. we'll get to see much in Death Star action. Um, I don't know. Well, I think the part where we see her, um, by her, I mean, Jin, I think the part where we see Jin um, turn around at the end of the first teaser, I think that's taking place in the Death Star. Um I think we will see some Death Star espionage, but I feel like the main the main drive of the plot is going to be them protecting the plans, and somehow there's going to be the the crystals are going to be a plot device. But I don't know how much we're actually going to see on the Death Star. So, so you think Jin is actually on the Death Star in that in that shot? Yeah, I'm pretty positive. People have um, dissected sort of her background and said that it's definitely a Death Star corridor. I don't know. I like. I, I'm sure it'll be super cool if she's on the Death Star. But it's also like, like how many different sets of rebels you're letting on this Death Star Imperials? Anything else you got there, Darren? No, no, that's good. Thanks, Steel. It's been it's a great show. So, um, I really enjoyed your blog posts. Uh, uh, they were really entertaining and uh, gave some great insights and celebration that I've never seen before or heard before. So, that's that was really good. Oh, cheers, man. I, uh, I appreciate yeah, yeah. it very much. And uh, I hope to see you at the live Steel Wars and I Love Green Guy Letters on the 10th of September, buddy. If you're free, come yeah, down. Was... Have you put some stuff out for that? I just haven't found. Have you? No, I've, I've, I've had a tough week. 
Um, yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, had a, uh, a a very non-life-threatening uh, operation, but it knocked me around a little right. bit. And um, <laughs> there's a great photo of me coming out of the hospital, and it looks like I'm doing a Dengar cosplay. I, uh, my head is wrapped in bandages. But, um, yeah, I'll be putting that up this afternoon, Darren. Oh, good. All right. Quick to your heart's content, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, mate. All right. Good luck. Thanks, All right, Tracy. I'll see you then. See you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. We've got about eight minutes left on uh, the live stream. So um, if you want to call in, do that. Quick look at the chat room. And Emily says she's glad I aren't dead. <laughs> we all should be glad of that because it'd be really weird if you're listening to a live stream to Tracy just answering questions from no one. That would be quite, quite bizarre. Which character are you most excited about in uh, Rogue One, Trace? Oh, Diego Luna's character. I mean, obviously I'm excited about Jen because she's everything I've ever wanted to see from a girl in Star Wars. But um, I am a huge Diego Luna fangirl. So, yeah. So what, what films have you seen him in? Um, quite a few. I liked him in, oh, he was good in Elysium. He was good in Itamama Tambien, which was a really great Mexican film. Uh, I, cannot, I want it like 15 years ago. Um, yeah, he's always been a staple in Mexican cinema. And then, um, yeah, I've just always been a big fangirl. I'm trying ah, to think of what else he's in. I can't remember Elysium. I remember being disappointed by it. It's a really, I wasn't super stoked on it, but his character was really cool. Yeah, I can't remember him in it. I just remember that, like, there was such a big thing about how to get up to that, the uh, uh, was that called the Elysium? And then... Yeah, the city. Yeah, and in the end, he just seemed to do it super easy. It was just like... Right. uh, I thought you said this was hard. And and that sort of actually brings me back to the... uh, you know, too many rebels getting on and off of that Death Star. Uh, you know, let's lock that shit down, Imperials. Come on. I think um, that, like, genre of film is just cool. And then I have to, like, kind of out myself for an insanely guilty pleasure. Um, I really like Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Oh, my God. Like, way too much. Like, I don't <laughs> like the original Dirty Dancing because it was very before my time. But Dirty Dancing Havana Nights is, like, one of my favorite, like, guilty pleasure movies. And he's the main lead in that movie. So you, so you don't like the original Dirty Dancing? It, it's one of those movies that everyone kind of talks up, talks up, talks up. And then when I finally, my very conservative Christian parents finally let me see it, it was, it was one of those movies that didn't hold up to the sort of nostalgia for it. <laughs> it's, that's like saying that you like Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, but not Dirty Dancing. That's like saying... I love Caravan of Courage. Didn't think much of Return of the Jedi, though. I'm going to be really honest. If I met someone who genuinely had that opinion, I would probably like them for it just because it's so, like, outrageously ridiculous and very brave. (laughs) And very misguided. Very misguided. Mm -hmm. Oh, incredibly. Mm. So we've got about five minutes if you want to call in uh, the numbers at the top of the screen, apparently. So just 
call that. Uh, you can Skype in. If you're Skyping in internationally, add the plus one before the number. Um, and afterwards, of course, we'll be doing the bonus show, and that is exclusively for supporters. And uh, how that works is the Steel Wars supporter page. It is $3 a month Australian, which is about $2.20 American. And you keep the podcast going and you get tons and tons of bonus content, access to the entire back catalogue of episodes and exclusive audience Q&As and I do an exclusive show with my good friend Tony Medina, the Gonk Droid, every two weeks. And then you get bonus shows at the end of this and you keep the little podcast going. And last week, um, subscribers got an extra hour. So what what is, what is $2.20 buy in America, Trace? $2.20 would buy, I think, half a gallon of gas. Maybe a little, maybe like two thirds of a gallon of gas, <laughs> or maybe a cheeseburger. Yeah, actually, you can buy a lot of fast food with two dollars here because America. All right. Well, maybe don't subscribe. Go buy a cheeseburger because that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Keep in mind that I haven't had breakfast yet, so um, I'm just like, yeah, cheeseburger. But ah, uh, oh, on the chat room, Catherine can names chimed in being a supporter is totally worth it but uh yeah three dollars a month keeps the pod going uh before we wrap up would you like to plug your social media links and your awesome podcast which i just listened to the latest episode and had a lot of fun listening to oh thank you i love that um so I'm Feminist Nerd on all social media channels. And um, let's see, we are MSW Rebel Girl. So we're part of the Making Star Wars Network. And it's girl like Riot Girl, the, I guess, the music genre. So it's G-R-R-R-L. A feminist Star Wars podcast? I don't know. I've never thought of it like that. I just think of it as a Star Wars podcast. The um, I, I think if you're... Maybe a yeah. I just think it's just two people talking Star Wars, but I guess it is. I like that. That's very flattering. That means that we open up, I suppose. Um, and then I also have a um, big cartel for my Star Wars art, and oh, I find yeah. my art at I Rebel Art. So it's I like lowercase like Rebel like Rebel because I love I love Jin Line on that trailer, and that's a big cartel. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I actually, I'm super impressed with the stuff you're doing. I, I love that. Oh, um, yeah, that, that sort of, I don't know. How, how do you describe that for that type of painting? Um, I guess mixed media is the best because it's a blend of ink and watercolor. So. Yeah, it's really nice. Well, we are down to the final minute of the show. We'll be recording a bonus section for our supporters. Thank you to everyone that chatted in the chat room. We will be reviewing your comments in the bonus section. And I have got, I've got something to drop on Tracy in the bonus section that I think might, it might fire up a feminist rant about um, (laughs) a bit of 
misogyny and a bit of judgmental Star Wars fandom. I saw this last night and I'll be uh, delivering that to her in the bonus section. Uh, Next uh, week, if you're in America, it's Friday nights. If you're in Australia, it is Saturday mornings. We will have uh, Mr. Sunday Movies from the very popular Weekly Planet podcast. Thank you guys so much Mm. for listening. Thank you, Tracy. And may that force be with you hey guys thank you for listening to the steel wars live call-in show i hope you had a great time and if you're about uh join us live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash steel wars or you can get all the times and the links on steelwars.com if you're new to the Steel Wars universe of podcasts, uh, make sure you subscribe to Steel Wars Star Wars Podcast, where that is more of our interview show, very highly acclaimed on iTunes. Episode 104, we celebrate Kenny Baker, hilarious stories and fond memories from fans around the world that have interacted with Kenny. That one, people are loving that episode it's had such a great response uh we've got episode 103 the rogue one trailer in podcast reaction episode 102 nathan hamill the real life son of luke skywalker talks about growing up a star wars fan when your dad's mark hamill how fascinating is that and so much more on steelwars.com or on the other steel wars star wars podcast feed And as mentioned at the close of the episode, you can join the Steel Wars supporter page. If you love all the Steel Wars podcasting, for just $3 a month, you can help keep it going, which that's Australian. Uh, It's about $2.20 American and probably about a pound and a half in the UK. And what you get is access to the entire library of Steel Wars interviews, over a hundred episodes, bonus episodes, dozens of bonus episodes, and which is the new tradition, you get bonus portions of the live call-in show. After the show finishes, we keep talking. So what you missed out on was about half an hour of Tracy and I discussing some very interesting misogyny in Star Wars fandom. People uncomfortable with uh, girls dressing how, in my opinion, they should be allowed to dress. And that is a topic very close to Tracy's heart. So we get in a very, very insightful and spirited conversation about that. We also talk about some disappointing Hasbro releases where they messed up on a major new vehicle. And Daisy Ridley comments on the upcoming naming of episode eight. And we discuss Star Wars movie titles and how important they are to us. If at all, or if heaps. All that and more in the bonus section of the live call-in show podcast. Thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, This is a new feed, so make sure you subscribe to it on iTunes and give us one of those sweet five-star reviews. So much appreciated. May that force be with you. 